Pastor Lyle Phillips, everyone, please give a round of applause. Love you, man. Love you, dude. Thank you, bro. Awesome. Good morning, guys. How's it going? You guys doing well? Awesome. It's great to uh, be in the house of the Lord. Can I get two good amens? Yeah. Yeah. I get excited when it's Sunday. Um, one reason for that is because I get the opportunity to worship Jesus, but secondly, because I get the opportunity to worship with you. And I just like worshiping in community better. I like worshiping by myself, but it's really fun when you can hear the people around you singing off key. Isn't that great? Because it's like, wow, this is awesome. It doesn't even matter what it sounds like. We're just giving glory to God. And uh, if you've ever recognized that person singing off key, it was me. Guaranteed, it was me. You do not want to hear me sing into a microphone. I'm terrible. But I do it every now and then, so keep coming back. I'll do it during an altar call at some point. It will really minister to you on a deep level. And you'll start to thank Jesus uh, a lot for, for how well you can sing by comparison. Somebody said that's true. Who said that? I'm just kidding. Is that Sean? That was Sean. Yeah. Sean knows because he sets a few rows behind me, so he hears me singing sometimes. Oh, man, have you guys been enjoying this series on family that we've been doing over the past uh, month or so? I've really had a blast uh, sharing it with you um, for me, I just have fun studying and praying and reading and learning uh, about all the things that I'm able to share with you guys. I know Allison feels the same way. And over the past four weeks, we have been on this journey, really, which is looking at the Bible and, and saying, okay, if we could only use the Bible to define church, how would we do that? Have you ever thought about that before? If you could only use the Bible to describe church, what would you say about church? That's been my posture over the past four weeks. Okay, if we can only use the scriptures, if all we have is the Bible itself to define church, how would we define it? I think one of the biggest takeaways that you would receive after reading through the scriptures, doing your best to define church only using the Bible would be that the church is supposed to be a loving family. Would you guys agree? I really do believe that with all my heart, that the church is supposed to be a loving family. I gave this illustration a few weeks ago, but please allow me to give it to you once more. If I was lost on a desert island somehow, somewhere, and I was not a Christian, and one day a Bible floated ashore, and that's all I had for years. And I read that thing from cover to cover, time after time, again and again, and I was rescued, and the people in the ship said, hey man, there's a church two blocks, you know, that way, once we made it to land, what do you think that my expectation would be having only read the Bible? What would be my experience? What would I be expecting? Oh man, I'm gonna find a loving family when I walk through this church door. Somebody's gonna invite me to dinner. Somebody's gonna invite me to stay in their house. Somebody's gonna affirm me. Somebody's gonna make me feel like I belong, like I'm accepted because that's what church is. I've been reading the Bible you know, for a few years, and I don't have a grid for, you know, what it looks like anywhere in particular, but I do have a grid for what it looks like in the Word. And so my expectation would be family. Do you guys agree with that? Do you think that would be true? Yeah. 
I think that would be true. We've been reading in Acts chapter two, and, and last week we talked a little bit about family and how it connects with fruitfulness. Because how many of you guys know that if we're gonna talk about family, we're gonna have to talk about the fruit of family. Families grow. All the parents in here say amen, right? That's, that's the natural byproduct of intimacy within covenant. It's fruitfulness, right? I mean, that's a natural byproduct. And so we talked a little bit about that last week. And even as we were worshiping this morning, I really felt from God that he was highlighting this season of our church's life. And I felt like he was telling me, hey, you guys are gonna go as high as you are rooted wide. And this season for this church has been a rooting. This has been a strengthening. This, this in my opinion, has been a deepening. You know, I feel like I've heard that from God. I think these conversations on family, despite how difficult or challenging they might be for you in particular, um, I really do believe with all my heart there's been a strengthening that's been taking place. Do you guys agree? Yes. So I think this is a setup, man. I think, I think family is supposed to be a value for our church's culture, and, and that's the reason why we've been going after it. You guys want to hear a preacher's secret to kick off? Guys, any, any preachers in the house? I know there's some preachers in here. Come on, don't be shy. Be brave, right? Yeah, like my wife's like, what's up? <laughs> if my son was in here, he'd run up here right now. We were doing prayer beforehand, and he just like snatched the mic from me. He's like, hoo, 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 hoo. That's hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> He's speaking in tongues, so I'm his translator. That's how it goes. No, but he loves it, man. So how many preachers I got in the house, right? Some of you guys aspiring preachers, you wanna be preachers. Maybe you preach in the marketplace, you preach on your job. Let me tell you guys a preacher's secret, okay? Hand to God, honestly, a preacher's secret is, is that we preach about what we need to hear ourselves. Do you guys know that? So you can just kind of write that down, all right? Like, you know, we preach about what we know we need to hear ourselves. And for years, if, if this is your first time here today or maybe you've been coming for a few months, for years we've been making this declaration that we're not just a church, but that we are a family. So for those of you who've been around for a while, let's, let's, let's do it together, right? We're not just a church. <laughs> we did that for a long time. We started doing that about five years ago. And so we've been making this declaration that we're a family over and over and over again. And I'm gonna be honest with you guys, there's been seasons of the life of our church where I've thought, man, I totally regret that declaration. I really wish we would have not said that we were gonna be family because there's so many people that have come along over the years and, and, and they've walked in and the first thing they say is, man, this feels like a family. And it's awesome when you hear that. You're like, yes, that's what we're going for. You know, we don't wanna do church as a business. We wanna do church as a family. That's an amazing testimony. Thank you for sharing that. But then on the other hand, there's been some other people that have, uh, you know, they've been leaving and they said, man, you said this was a family. And this does not feel like a family to me at all. I'm out, right? See you later. And because of those experiences, I've honestly felt like, did we do the right thing? Did we make the right declaration? Should we really have been declaring that we were a family? Or should we have been declaring that we have plenty of children's ministry workers? 
Diana just walked in at the right time, <laughs> right? Should, you know, I'm thinking, man, our declaration for family, I don't know about that, man. We should have, we should have declared that everybody likes to serve and that everybody gives and that everybody pitches in and helps, right? You know, I'm thinking we did this thing wrong. And over the past uh, few years, I've never been able to get away from family. I've never been able to get away from that declaration. Even when it's like haunted me, even when I've thought, I don't know if we can do this. We're not doing it well. It's in our heart, but we're not doing it well. And, you know, I've never been able to, to wrestle myself away from that consistent declaration over the life of our church that we are supposed to be a family. I believe with all my heart, if you're a part of this church or, you know, you're, you're, you're interested in it, I, I think with everything in me that God's, one of God's premier, primary values for our church has got to be family. I really do, guys. I, I really believe it with all my heart. And so as I've been studying and preparing to speak to you guys each week, I've been looking through the lens of Scripture at the subject of family, and I've been saying, how, God, how do I preach this? Like, what biblically characterizes family? Like, how do I talk about family from a biblical perspective? Because I don't know if you guys have checked this out or not, but Jesus consistently says some pretty offensive things about family. You guys ever noticed that before? God's like, hey, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus, you know, but first, let me go bury my father. Hey, let the dead bury the dead, bro. Let's go. That's pretty offensive. How do you reconcile that in talking about the church is supposed to be a loving family? Or how about the time, you know, Jesus has given, you know, a sermon at a house church, if we can call it that. You know, they're taking the roof off to let people in so that they can get healed. And somebody taps him on the shoulder and says, hey man, your mom, right, and your brothers, they're outside, they're waiting to speak to you. You know, you should put your message on pause and go say something to them. He's like, no, no, who, who's my mom? And who are my brothers? And he motions his hand. He said, everybody who does the will of my father, they are my mother and my brothers. Man, how's that for a nice, comfy, cozy family sermon, right? So I'm reading this, I'm listening to, to Jesus because there's, there's truth and, and there's tension and there's things we wrestle out with God in prayer. And, and I've been asking the Lord, okay, I believe God, I believe that you have set family as a value in the culture of Legacy Nashville, but I'm not really sure how to present it. I'm not really sure how to, how to preach it, how to do it. I'm not really sure how to invite people into it. You ever wrestled with something like that before? You know something's true in your mind, right? But you're trying to get it down into your heart? You guys know what I'm talking about? Into that place of transformation, you're like, yeah, I intellectually agree, God, we're supposed to be a family. But what does that mean? Does that mean that all of you guys need to come over today after church and we can throw the football? You know, like have a little barbecue? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right, sure. <laughs> You know, all right, okay, sweetheart, you okay with that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that, is that family? Because that's gonna be really hard to do in my neighborhood with 200 people, especially 50 kids, right? How, how are we gonna do that, right? And, and I hear that some people are like, well, that's what family is, man, so how are you guys gonna do family? How's that gonna work? So this is what I've been wrestling with. I'm like, okay, God, I, I hear you. I know, it's in my head, so... As, as I've been going after preaching and presenting this stuff, 
I, I have known in my heart that this is what we're supposed to be talking about. I've known that this is what I need to hear myself. And since we've been talking about family, you guys, um, I've actually been getting a lot of feedback from you. Uh, messages online, you know, some of us, we've exchanged text messages or emails or, you know, we, we talk on the Instagram, you know, there's that new feature where you can, that thing, man, dude, that unread, you know that, you know, you know that uh, second section of messages, like the, 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 the people that are not your friends on Instagram, dude, that thing haunts me because I'm like, there's so many, I can't do this, click back over. So I'm the only one that does that. Okay, I never checked those. Sorry if you sent me one. But yeah, I have talked to some of you guys there on Instagram. And, you know, so I've heard some testimonies. Man, this has been so refreshing. This has been amazing. We're talking about church as family. This is awesome. But I've also heard uh, from some people, like, dude, this has been probably the most difficult sermon series that I've ever set through. In fact, I've considered, like, not coming until you're finished. Like, this is just too tough, man. Like, you don't know my family experience. You don't know my church experience. You don't know about the relationship that I don't have with my parents. You don't know about my brothers and my sisters. You don't know. And, and I know that I don't. And so I realized that for, for some of us, uh, talking about family has been, has been really challenging. But I feel like that in the process of hearing your heart and sharing mine and studying scripture and talking to God and spending time in prayer, there's really only a few things that I've been able to take away and use as characteristics of biblical family. You guys wanna hear those real quick? First and foremost, this is what I've found in this series of family. That family, first and foremost, is characterized by covenant commitment. You're not gonna have family without covenant commitment. Secondly, I've found that family continues through covenant forgiveness. You may have family for a season, but you won't have it for a lifetime unless you're willing to forgive. And here's the third thing that I've found is that you can't have family without parents. Oh boy. We're swimming out to the deep end for this last message, right? You can't have family without parents. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but in the process of two churches merging and becoming one, we have a lot of really awesome parents in the room. And I think that's awesome. You know, I, I think that for us to have spent a month, you know, talking about family before, it, 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 would, it would almost seem inappropriate because now we have this multi-generational expression of family and church here as Heritage House of Blessing and Legacy have become one church. So I just think, man, we're getting rooted here, guys. I think this is incredible. So that's, that's what I want to talk to you guys about because... I talked to you about parents. I want to talk to you about spiritual parents. I want to talk to you a little bit about church leadership and what that looks like and how we do family together. But um, what I did was in the process of looking for a really good definition of family, I gave you guys my characteristics. But as I was looking for a real strong definition of family, I did what every good prayer warrior does, and that is you Google it, <laughs> right? So you're like well, let me, let me Google this real quick. You know, Google may have some info that I haven't found yet in the Bible. And, um, you know, maybe they'll lead me to a few blogs or YouTube videos or, you know, something. And, and, and uh, man, I was actually um, somewhat surprised at the definition that Google gave as the primary definition of family. 
So here's what Google says is the primary definition of family. I'm, I'll read some scripture in just a moment, but Google says that the primary definition of family is a group consisting of parents and children living together in a household. That's, that's, that's Google's primary definition of family. Let me read it to you guys once more so, so it settles in. It's a group consisting of parents and children that live together in a household. That's the primary definition of family for us today. It comes up first on Google. This is what our culture says is family. This is what we believe family is. How it's defined is that it is a group consisting of parents and children living together in a household. So seemingly on the surface, that would seem like a really good definition. I don't think it's the worst definition. However, as you study the Bible, you find that that definition lacks certain biblical values, all right? But it is a strong teacher for how our culture sees family today. And um, what I think that, that Google does wrong is, is that it falls short in that it is very fluid when you hold it up next to the Bible. Did you guys notice how seasonal it was? A family is only a family when you're living together in the same household. It would almost seem short-term, it's short-sighted, it's seasonal. So a family is a family as long as you're living together all in the same place. That's, that's what Google is telling us. Um, so I think that's important. But what happens when somebody moves out? What happens when somebody gets married? You know, what, what, do, 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 is family over? At that point, is fam, has family ceased? Is family done when somebody moves on? You know, when you look at the Bible... We see that scripture does not define family by starting with a transitory house, but a permanent covenant. And that's the first thing that I believe characterizes family. It's not a short-sighted, it's not a short-term, it's not a seasonal living condition, but that it's actually a long-term, eternal covenant commitment that we make to one another, despite the fact that we may not share a roof. You guys with this so far? I think that's where Google gets it wrong, man. So we see that Genesis 2, chapter 24, uh, the very first uh, expression of family that God gives us is when Eve is created, right? And, and, and God says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. I think that's, I, think, I, I love that picture of marriage. They shall become one flesh. You know, if you and your spouse are gonna become one flesh, that means at least half of you has to die. <laughs> it's Halloween weekend, spooky, right? Right? That's the reality. Like, that's, that's covenant. That's what it looks like. It's not some short-sighted, seasonal, light commitment, right? It's a, it's a long-term, eternal, strong covenant. That's what forges family. It's not just about living in the same household, Right? It's about a strong eternal covenant that we make with one another so that two people are becoming one. They're becoming unified, right? So this is not temporary matchmaking, guys. You know, God's not setting up the first season of The Bachelor. <laughs> right? He's establishing an eternal covenant in the garden. He's establishing a pattern. He's saying, hey, look, when, when I establish family, before I, before I give you fruit, before offspring comes, before your kids are born, as I establish family, the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna establish parents. Yeah. 
So we see that not only in Genesis chapter two, but we also see that fast forward in Acts chapter two. Because as God creates the family in Genesis chapter two, the first thing he does is he creates parents. He establishes parents, right? And in Acts chapter two, when we see the birth of the first church, like God establishes family, but before that, he establishes parents in family. Those people are called the apostles, right? You guys tracking with me so far? I promise I'm gonna get to something here in a minute. So I think that's where Google gets it wrong, man. The temporary household thing, I think Google gets it wrong. But I think that Google does have it right on one certain issue, and that is this, that family requires parenting. If we're gonna do family well as a church, we're gonna have to have healthy parents. You guys agree with this so far? So I think that's where Google gets it right. I think Google, Google's like, hey, if you're gonna have family, you gotta have parents. That's the reality, and I, and I agree with them. And I know that a lot of people claim to have a bad experience with family, but based on the stories I've heard, people have not simply had a bad experience with family, they've had a bad experience with parents. I, you know, I've heard a lot of stories, um, had a lot of conversations over coffee, where, where people have had bad experience with the church. But, you know, I don't necessarily believe that it's only having a bad experience with the church that these people have experienced, but it's, it's, it's a bad experience with, with leaders. It's a bad experience with people. It's a bad experience with parents, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, and so I think that's the, that's the problem, uh, both in life and in the church, is that we need some healthy parenting yeah. dynamic happening yeah. so that we can establish, uh, you know, what God has fashioned for family. Yeah. You guys agree with this so far? Yeah. So as I prepared for this message, I decided to look up how many Americans claim to have bad relationships with their parents. Don't Google that. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm serious, you guys. The results were astonishing. I was absolutely shocked. I, I stumbled across this organization called the Index of Family Belonging and Rejection. It's quite a name, right? Okay, guys, this, I, I mean... As I studied this, like tears welled up in my eyes because this, this organization that studies this, they said that based upon all their reports that half, 50% of all U.S. adults claim to feel rejected by their parents and their families. Wow. Isn't that insane? I mean, I wouldn't have thought that. And, you know... You know, broke, broken homes, single parent homes. Uh, this, is a, this is a very common thing for our culture today, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's why Google is so apt to give us this definition of family because our culture doesn't expect family to last. You know what family is? Family is when you're living all in the same house. Probably ain't gonna last. So you'll have that for that season, then you'll find another one. You, are you, you guys with me on this? This is, man, this, this for me was so like emotionally aw and awakening. I was like, wow. I, I'm, I realized like, no wonder. It's so hard to say, hey, church is a family. Dude, are you serious? Like 50% of us in here, like based on these statistics, feel rejected by our families, especially our parents. Dude, that's heartbreaking. But, you know, this is where I feel God has a holy prescription to restore 
family to the church. And that is not just by raising up healthy disciples, sons and daughters, but I think that's by raising up healthy parents, moms and dads, and aunties and uncles, right? I, I believe that, you guys, because from the very beginning, we see that God has always established family by first establishing parents to lead the family. And I, I really do, after being in full-time vocational ministry for 10 years, I think Paul was absolutely accurate when he says, you, know, you have a whole lot of teachers, but you don't have a lot of fathers. My dream for us guys, I, I'm just, I'm to push pause on this for a second. My dream guys is not that we be a church full of sons and daughters. I, I, I think that's important, but my dream is that we become a church full of dynamic, healthy, spiritual moms and dads. That we're, not, that we're not waiting for somebody to feed us, that we're not waiting for somebody to, you know, cater to our needs as kids do, but that we would actually grow up in maturity and we would feed hungry people. We would feed people who need to know that they're accepted and that they're loved and that, hey, half of East Nashville probably feels rejected by their parents what if they could come in not just to a business but to a home and not just receive instruction from leaders but from parents and, and they could get like real love. I mean, for me, I, I'm just like, I'm reading these statistics and I'm moved and I'm hearing the words of the Apostle Paul. Man, we got all these teachers. But we, what we really need is some fathers. You know, teachers... It's good to be a teacher. You know, when you're a teacher, you get to experience success. You get to, you know, have the platform or the microphone or, you know, 50,000 followers on Twitter. But when you're a parent, you like, you wipe poopy butts and uh, you're up at three and your kid vomits on your clean shirt and, you know, takes your toothbrush out from underneath the sink and then tosses it in the toilet and looks at you and says, bye-bye. That exact thing happened to me this morning, okay? It's a real-time sermon illustration, all right? Dead serious. Bye-bye. Yeah, bro, that's going bye-bye permanently. That's, that's the difference in parenting and teaching and you know, I think that what we find is that in Acts chapter 2, I want to go back to this. If you want to open it up, you can. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the parents in here is like, he preaching. He preaching today. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is where we started, you know, four weeks ago. I, I, I'm kind of emotional about this. I just, it moves my heart. Yeah. be honest with you guys. This, this, this subject moves my heart because, you know, you can have a really well-run orphanage without parents but you can't have a family. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, dude, it can be tight. Like it can be, I've experienced it, okay? Some of you guys don't know this. I used to be a missionary to India. And uh, at 24, I started a nonprofit organization to rescue kids from human trafficking, child slavery, and prostitution. And I lived in India 
and we started a home for orphan children, street kids, and kids that had been rescued from human trafficking. We, in, in just a few years, we rescued over 400 kids from human trafficking. And, and when we started this children's home, this orphanage, right, like we had space for probably 150 kids, maximum, maximum space. And every morning I would go out and sit on the front porch as we'd send the kids to school and I would have tea and I'd read the newspaper. And every day, man, for weeks, kids would show up on my porch with a bag and they're like, hey, can I live here? And so, you know, here's the tension. No, you, can, you can't. Like, dude, I don't have any money. I don't have enough food. I don't have enough space. I have 150 kids living in my house. There's no way that you can get in. I'm sorry, no. But then the kid is like got half a ear and is super hungry and I'm like, hey, just come in for a quick meal. And they eat as much food as like a 350 pound adult pro wrestler. And I'm like, just come in. Sure, sure, you can, you can have my bed if you want. We had 300 kids in that house pouring overflowing in that house. Yeah, we wanted to create family, but you know, the truth is we could have a really well-designed, well-functioning orphanage by hiring the right staff members and putting the right programs in place and making sure that they got up at this time and went to bed at this time and making sure that they were fed at this time. See, you can have an awesome orphanage with employees, but you can't have a family unless you have parents. So how are we going to do that, guys? How are we going to do family? You know, how are we going to do family? As, how are we going to do church as family and ignore the reality of the fact that every time God establishes family in the Bible, he starts by establishing parents? Okay, I'm, I'm feeling amazed right now by this reality of the scripture. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Uh, I, yeah, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they devoted, everybody say devoted. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. There we see a fourfold recipe for establishing biblical community and doing church as a family. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. And they devoted themselves to prayer and eating together. If you don't feel like you have community, invite somebody to eat with you. If, if you feel like you're really upset at somebody, invite them to share a meal with you. It's really hard to stay mad at somebody when you're eating with them. You guys ever notice that? Because you're, 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 you're seeing their humanity. You're realizing, hey, they are sustained by food just like me. <laughs> you guys with me on this? I, 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 never, I, I never understood, like, when I would travel as a missionary, why I would, I would cry in food courts. I'm dead serious. I know it's a little strange. But I would, I would be traveling. I'd have my headphones on. I'd listen to worship, and, and, and I, would, I would cry in food courts. It's the weirdest thing. And it's because as, when I would watch people eat, I would cry. I'd get emotional. And I never understood that until God taught me that. It's like, hey, you're seeing these you're seeing these. You're realizing that they're feeble humans just like you are, and your heart's breaking on their behalf because, you know, I have a plan for them, and I, I want to bless them, and I want to prosper them, give them a hope and a future. Yes. And see, there's something about eating together that gives way uh, to, to brokenness in community. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's why when, you know, when, when, when God moves from the old covenant into the new, he, he, he moves from uh, meeting with his people in the temple and he begins meeting with his people around a table. And he shifts his primary location of communion from temple to table. Jesus comes with this new picture of what it looks like to worship together. And he's like, hey, you know, pass the bread. Are you guys with this? Okay. So we see the first church, they start to practice this. They start to eat together. They start to pray together, right? They, they devote themselves to fellowship. They, they devote themselves to participatory community. They say, hey, man, I'm going to get involved. That's what that word means in the Greek, right there, the fellowship. It means, it's the koinonia. It's, it's participation, right? But what was first? What was first out of these four things? It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What did they devote themselves to? Not just, not just a ministry program, but they devoted themselves to people. They devoted themselves to each other. And... When the Bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, we have to ask ourselves, well, who were the apostles, right? And, and what makes somebody an apostle? If they go to FedEx Kinko's and print on their business card, I'm Apostle Lyle Phillips, does that make them an apostle? Amen, because we got some of those business cards floating around, right? Or in their Twitter, Twitter bio. Now, that doesn't make us an apostle. These, these people were apostles. Why? Because they had been with Jesus, Right? They had been with Jesus. They had heard the words of Jesus. And they had been qualified by Jesus. And they had been sent by Jesus to function as a gift for the family of God, the church. Right? And that's what apostles are. Like, they spend a lot of time with Jesus. Right? And, and they're sent by Jesus. They're qualified by Jesus. They're set up as, as fathers and as mothers in the family of God. And there's some other people that are set up as moms and dads. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. This is, the, this is the crux of my message today. Because the question I have for us today is that if we're going to do church as family, do we really even need uh, leaders? Do we need parents? Do we need aunties and uncles? Do we need moms and dads? Do we even need that? Because half of us as a U.S. population are getting along just fine without them. Bless God. Right? Do we even need this? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, it says, And he gave. Here, here we see once more. See, this, was, this is Paul writing, okay? This is hundreds of years after Jesus has passed, right, that we read these manuscripts. Paul didn't write it hundreds of years later, but it came out hundreds of years later. And we see that Paul is writing about Jesus giving to the church these gifts. And what are these gifts? These gifts are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. The shepherds. Everybody say pastors. pastors. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. This is interesting. Do we really even need parents? Why do we have parents? Why do we have moms and dads? It says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Have you ever heard a run-on sentence quite like that one before? That was a long sentence, Paul. Right? 
So, so we see these manuscripts, they come out later, but we see that Jesus is still giving to the family of God, the church, parents. Yeah. You know, the apostles didn't die out with the 12, right? I believe with all my heart, there's still apostles in the body of Christ today. What do you guys believe? Yeah, I think Heidi Baker, our, 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 our spiritual mama, I think she's an apostle. At any time somebody says like, oh, you know, you know, you can't have woman apostles. I'm like, how do you define Heidi Baker? You, anyways, you're off. You know, so you guys agree with that? Yeah, it's just, all right. So this passage from Paul, it perfectly outlines the true nature of God-ordained church leadership and parenting. And, 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 and here's the gist of it, right? God doesn't just place you in family so that you might have great parents. God places you in family so that you might become great parents. You know, God doesn't put you at a church so that you can become, you know, a, 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 you know, a submissive follower, right? God puts you in a church so that you can be an empowering leader. <laughs> That's God's goal, right? It's... it's Anyway, I'm going to leave that alone. So here's the first one. It says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, right? Why? Why do we have church leadership? Why do we have, why do we have moms and dads in the church? Here, here's the real reason. First and foremost, I got three points for you guys before I close. Number one is to equip you for the work of the ministry. All right? That's, that's the reason why we have church leaders. That's the reason why we have, we have moms and dads in the church. First and foremost, to equip you for the work of the ministry. All right, so what does that mean? Some of you guys are like, I'm not even called to ministry, dude. I, I'm not called to the church. I, I'm, I'm called to business. That's ministry. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. You're, you're a minister in the marketplace. You're an apostle in the marketplace. You're a prophet in the, in the marketplace. Maybe you're like, man, that's not me. I'm called to entertainment. Good, be a prophet to the entertainment mountain. Be an apostle in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Like that's ministry, right? And so it says, equip you for the work of the ministry. What's interesting here is that the, the word equip is actually the word perfect, right? And what it means, it's, uh, it's a Greek word called, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this, but it's like, cat artismos, cat artismos, cat artismos. I'm getting there with my Greek. And, it, you know, it, that, word, that word is interesting because it's where we get our word cardiac, right? It, it comes from the word, word, word heart, right? So when it talks about to perfect, what it literally means is actually to bring you to a condition of fitness. Wow. So, so, so why, why are leaders in the body of Christ? They are to equip you. They are to bring you to a condition of fitness. That, that's why they're there, to bring you to a condition of health, right? And not just like, oh, okay, I'm getting by. No, it's like, you're doing something, man. You know, you're running marathons in the spirit. Like, that's the point, right? I, pers I do CrossFit. Philip and I do CrossFit. Justin does CrossFit. Nick does CrossFit. There's a few of you others in here, the Newfields. Their son does CrossFit. Jonathan is going to do CrossFit <laughs> and, uh, with me when Indigo's born, right? And... Um, and, and, and I gotta be honest with you guys, I like CrossFit. Uh, we do these things called work out of the day, right? And uh, you're only supposed to do one. But a few months ago, Philip and I, we started doing three every day. And man, we were going for it, getting big. And, um, and you know, and just getting swole, right? And, um, you know, great, 
crazy thing, man. Like we were, we were doing, we were doing uh, three a days, right? And so we were spending two hours at the gym, right, Philip? We were spending two hours. And, you know, you know I got two kids, <laughs> right? And so my wife's like, yo, uh, you know, what's, what's the goal? What's the goal here? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, because I, I already think you're hot, you know? So I, don't, I don't need, you know, I don't, I, you don't have to have a six-pack. You know, it's not necessary. I, I, I love you the way you are. You know, I, I appreciate that. I have an awesome wife. Uh, you know, but she helped me sort of recalibrate. You know, what's the goal here? What's the goal of doing two hours a day, you know, three workouts of the day in CrossFit? Because I'm not going to be a CrossFit Games athlete. All right? I just, I don't think I have it in the DNA. I'm a you know, small frame, you know, probably not going to beat Rich Froning, right? So, so I'm like, Okay, let's reassess. And, and what I realize is, guys, I, you know, I don't do CrossFit for the sake of CrossFit, okay? I do CrossFit for the sake of fitness so that I can uh, do what I'm called to do effectively. So that I can get up in, in, on Sunday morning at 6 a.m. and pray and, and look over my notes and come in here and preach and give you guys all I have with, with all that's in me and not get tired. Right, And so the point of bringing you to a, to a condition of fitness, the point of you becoming healthy spiritually is not just so that you can be healthy spiritually and flex your healthy muscles spiritually, but so that you can do the work of the ministry. That's the purpose for the equipping. Uh, you know, we want to get you healthy. I, as your pastor, I, wanna, I want you to be healthy spiritually, but not just so that you can say, well, hey, look how healthy I am but so that you can actually do the work, everybody say work, work, of the ministry, and that word ministry there means to serve others with action. So see, actually serving is an expression of spiritual health. That's what, that's what serving is. Serving is an expression of spiritual health. And, and I can always tell when people are in a season of healing spiritually because they're typically those that are most proactive in serving. You're like... Hey, what's up? I'm here. Uh, what do you need? I'm like, uh, can you put out offering envelopes? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to do that. You're so overqualified, but you're so stoked to do it. Why? Because you're healthy in here. And the whole time that you're doing it, you're not like, this is so beneath me. I hate this. One day I'm going to get to. Right? I'm wearing the babies out, you guys. I'm sorry. Sorry if I'm going a little long. But, but that's the reality, guys. Like the byproduct of spiritual health is spiritual serving. And you guys getting this? So, okay, so, you know, obviously I'm saying, oh, you, you know, you should serve. That's, I know that's what you guys are hearing because you've heard this message, you know, 100,000 times if you've been going to church for a few months, right? Because pastors, they want you to serve, right? They want you to serve, Right? And, you know, why, why do we ask you to serve? Is it, is it because we're trying to, to build a business? Nope. It's because we're trying to build you. Because when you're healthy and you serve, you grow. Right? And not only do you grow, but you actually grow the family. You grow the body of Christ. Not necessarily numerically, although that's a byproduct, but that you grow the body of Christ in unity and the knowledge of Jesus. Read the scripture again, right? It says, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? Why do we want you to serve? Why are we asking you to serve, right? So that we would attain unity and the knowledge of Jesus. I think that's awesome. That's why. So why do we serve? 
When we serve, we obliterate the idea that the church is a business and we start to cultivate a home. Because if the only time that we serve is when we get paid for it, what we're doing is we're sowing into the concept that the church is a business. So I'm not saying you shouldn't get paid because some people will be paid, but that doesn't mean that they're not willing to go above and beyond because it's family, right? I hope that makes sense. And so the difference between a business and a family is serving. I don't know when the last time you went to a coffee shop, you ordered your coffee with the barista, and you're like, hey, man, how long you been working here? Oh, I don't work here. I just volunteer. <laughs> Said no barista ever, <laughs> right? Oh, I'm just here. What are you up to? Oh, you know, just trying to become a bigger person. <laughs> right? But that's what happens to us. We grow whenever we serve. So how is unity, how is unity going to be achieved in our church? God gives us the answer, serving. How are people going to grow in the knowledge of Jesus? God gives us the answer, serving. Because when we serve, we sow into unity. And when we serve, we not only represent Jesus, we represent Jesus. Because when you're, when, when you're found by others in a posture of serving, you're showing the world what Jesus is really like. Mark 10 and 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what happens when we serve? We're really like Jesus. We're giving a picture. We're saying, hey, you want to know what Jesus is like? Look at this. Serving. In action. This is ministry. I'm healthy. I'm giving. I'm sharing. Not because I'm trying to create a well-run orphanage, but because I'm trying to sow in a family. And God wants us to be unified. So when I do this, I create a bridge for that to happen. Mm. Oh, you, you don't know anything about Jesus? Well, mm, I don't have any tracks, but I can wash your feet. I mean, Jesus himself, you know, he said, hey, they're going to know that you're my disciples because of your love for each other. Well, love looks like something, right? It's not just like, hey, um, you know, shout on an Instagram on your birthday. Love you. You guys with me? Here's the last point. So, with all this being said, to equip you for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, under what? To mature, everybody say mature, Mature. manhood, Manhood. or womanhood, (laughs) to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's, that's our picture, right? And Brian, if you want to come and play. But that's our bullseye. That's why we have parents. <laughs> he appeared. Hey. Asking you will receive. Knock and the door shall be opened. But that's the picture that Paul is giving us. He's like, hey, there's going to be leaders in the family. There's going to be parents in the family. Here's why they're there. They're not, they're not there to, you know, to hurt you, they're there to grow you. And, and I, to be honest with you guys, I think that as we talk about our culture growing, you know, one of the areas of our culture that I think you were gonna see in 17 grow tremendously? Leadership. I really believe that. So that you can become mature, growing to the full stature of Jesus Christ. Hey, I know that sounds like a lot of growth because you might be thinking to yourself, man, how am I ever going to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, you know, love like Jesus, serve like Jesus? 
the Bible tells us you're gonna grow unto that in family, but not in isolation, not by embracing radical individualism, not by saying, you know what? I'm totally fine all on my own. I can grow all I need to grow by listening to my podcast. God says you can't, but that you actually need family, that you actually need relationship, that you actually need leadership, that you actually need God-ordained, qualified parenting in your life so that you can grow to the fullness of the stature that God has called you to, which is to look like Jesus Christ, his son. As we're closing, I know that the, honestly, I know that the enemy, he, he, he tries to come against any sort of message uh, very quickly that, that would talk about leadership or authority. And, and I know that's because as a nation, we've experienced so much hurt and so much pain by leaders in our life with authority. And, um, you know, his, his whole recipe is to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's to separate us from our family. That's to isolate us. That's to, you know, clip us away from one another, divide us. <clears throat> but that's what I want to pray for today, guys. As, as we're talking about serving, we're going to do... Um, we're gonna do in two weeks time, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. Um, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna have a um, servant leaders luncheon, all right? We're gonna have lunch together, we're gonna eat together, we're gonna practice Acts 2. And um, for any of you guys that maybe you've served in the past or you'd like to serve again in the future, here's good, here's good news for you. We're actually gonna just kick open a door for a new degree of serving one another in our family. On January the 8th, I know some of you guys have been waiting for this announcement, but on January the 8th, we're gonna be launching our two services here on Sunday morning. One's gonna be at nine, the other's gonna be at 11. We've been doing 10.30, and I know sometimes we have open seats in here, but downstairs, guys, our kids are literally out of room. We're, we, last week, we had to actually say to parents, I'm sorry, we can't take kids anymore. We can't, we can't do it. It's just too full, it's, a, it's actually illegal. Right, And so we're in a place where we really feel to serve our family well, we need to provide two opportunities for worship on Sunday morning, 9 and 11. And so as we, as we kick off into this new season and offering these opportunities uh, to our family, we also wanna offer opportunities to new leaders. So if you're feeling in here, man, I, I, I'm called to leadership. If you raise your hand when I said, hey, is that you? You know, you called to minister, are you called to preach, are you called to, to lead, are you called to serve, are you, what are you called to do, right? We wanna know, we wanna hear. And so in, in two weeks from, from today, we're gonna be just initiating our process of um, strategically building our, our teams to host our family well on Sunday mornings. So when we go to nine and 11, guys, in January, it's not gonna be, uh, man, 11, that's a family service, that's so good, but that nine, man, it's not, it's not good, right? We want to provide like, you know, a real family meal all together at both services. And so in order to do that, in order for our family to grow, we need, we need people to grow. We need leaders to grow. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, not next Sunday, but the Sunday, Sunday afterwards, uh, we're going to serve lunch downstairs. <coughs> and if, if you're interested in being a part of that, you want to serve, you want to help lead, you want to help steward their family, we want to invite you to that. Okay, so if you want to write that down, you can. We're going to put announcements on social media. We'll talk about it here next week. And 
we'll get a head count of kind of how many people are coming, but we want you guys to know about that because that's one way we can just be very active and participatory about what we feel like God's saying to us as a family. So with that being said, if you guys don't mind to stand up, we're gonna pray as we're closing today. Um, here's, here's what I wanna pray into you guys. <clears throat> um, I, I can, you know, I can almost guarantee you that at some point in time in your life that you've been hurt or you've been neglected, controlled, abused by parents or leaders. All right, I, I have personally many times over, and um, that's where we get to practice those first two characteristics of family, covenant commitment and covenant forgiveness. And so I wanna do that right now. I want, I wanna pray into that. And, and if, you, if there's somebody that you're thinking about right now that you're like, hey, I'm actually scared to have leaders in my life because of the experience I have with this person. This is gonna be your opportunity to just forgive. Just close your eyes. Everybody in the room, just close your eyes, bow your head. And if that's you in here, this is gonna be your opportunity to forgive and for God to just start to minister healing to you this morning. Uh, for some of us, you know, maybe we didn't have a, a godly example in our home. Maybe we didn't have a godly example um, as we were growing up but God wants to redeem that. God wants to put you in family. And it's not just so that you could figure out how to do this all by yourself, but that you could have God-ordained moms and dads in your life, God-ordained family. So Lord, for those that are just letting stuff go this morning and releasing forgiveness to people, we bless that, what's happening in Jesus' name. And for those of us that are just receiving hope this morning for godly uh, parents, moms and dads, covering leaders, Lord, we bless that in Jesus' name. And as we close, guys, what we're gonna do, um, Sarah, Sarah's gonna help close us out. But, um, but what I would like to do is, um, I, I wanna ask the moms and dads in the room, if you're, if you're 50 years of age and older, um, you know, whether you have kids or don't have kids, you might be a grandparent. Would you just come up just quick? Just, I know it's, it may seem a little awkward, but can you just, can you guys just come up to the front? I'm just gonna have you guys come up to the front. Yeah, don't hesitate. Don't worry about it. Just come on. We need you. This is family time, right? And you, if you guys don't mind, just turn around, face the guys. See, look at this. This is awesome, man. We, we've never had this experience before. Hey guys, here, here's, here's what I, I want to do today. I'm going to have Sarah come up and she'll do the ministry team and let you guys know. But on your way out the door, all right, I felt like this was important. On your way out the door today as you're leaving, I want you to, I want you to grab a hug from one of these guys, all right? I want you to grab a hug from a mom or a dad, you know, just shake their hand, hug their neck, let them love on you for a little bit. And moms and dads, if you guys don't mind, just bless them, you know, just... Give them a quick hug. That's it, okay? We're not going to belabor or have a long prayer. Just going to do, do a quick hug. Uh, Sarah, you can go ahead and come up and, uh, and close this out today. But this is going to be fun, guys. Love you guys big time. Thanks, Lyle. Um, who appreciated his message today and just this series on family? Um, I know uh, for me and Sean, this has been so good. I mean, when we 
started coming to Legacy um, several years ago, we had just come from a very unhealthy church family, and um, God's definitely redeemed it, and um, this series has just been like kind of the solidification of that um, for us. So um, thank you, personally, thank you. Um, If this was challenging for you, or you feel like you're dealing with not knowing how you feel about this kind of stuff, I really encourage you to get prayer. Um, I'm going to invite the ministry team up as well. And so um, don't miss the opportunity to, um, you know, get healing or clarity um, with any of this stuff because it's important and it's good. Um, And there's no house church this week, but we will see you back here 1030 next week. Thanks, guys.